everyone. Welcome back to The Coop with Meyer Hatchery, where we talk all things poultry in hopes of educating crazy chicken keepers and inspiring future flock owners. I'm Kendra. And I'm Jeff. And today we're talking about free range breeds as part of our best of series. We dedicate one episode per month to this series, covering the very best of each month's topic. For the month of September, we're going to dive into the best breeds for free ranging. Whether you're jumping on the pastured poultry bandwagon or just looking for some good breeds for your backyard, there are a few things to consider. Before we dive into the breeds themselves, let's talk about free ranging and what it really means. By definition from the USDA, free range includes a building, room, or area that allows for the unlimited access to food, water, and continuous access to the outdoors during their laying cycle. However, many commercial operations have taken advantage of the loophole this definition leaves, meaning continuous outdoor access could just be a peephole hens can stick their heads out with no minimum space requirement. The term free range often refers to the amount of space each bird is provided, not necessarily outdoor access. Most homesteaders, farmers, and backyard poultry enthusiasts have adapted a different definition of free range, meaning birds are free to roam their yards and pastures without restriction. It's important to know that even when free-ranging, your poultry needs a secure coop to retreat to each night and use to protect themselves from weather elements and predators. Now, as for the benefits of free-ranging, where do we even begin? So where do we begin? (laughs) (laughs) So one of the biggest advantages to free-ranging that you'll see on your wallet is a reduced feed bill. I read a stat today. I can't recall where it's from. I'll have to do some digging. It mentions that like 30% of a bird's weight is what they consume as far as like vegetation outdoors. So that means 30% of what they consume is vegetation versus the feed you provide to them if you allow them to free range. In the winter, because of my climate, I have to provide feed throughout the winter months. There's not an option. There's too much snow on the ground. So when spring comes around and the grass starts to get green, I gradually decrease the amount of feed I give them. And then they free range, I would say like 50-50. So I significantly reduce my feed bill because I have a large enough yard where they can get their nutrients. And then probably towards mid-November, depending on when snow starts falling, um, once the bugs start to go away and grass is hard to get to, that's when I slowly start ramping up the amount of feed I give them because the amount of feed you provide that grain helps in corn helps with heat retention in the winter. So you want to make sure that you're providing a good amount of feed at that time. Anything to reduce the cost (laughs) because it really hurts your wallet when you load up your vehicle with all those bags of feed when they could have been just eating the grass and bugs instead. And all those nutritious bugs they're eating leads to healthier eggs. In a 2003 study from Penn State University, they found that pastured-raised eggs contain twice as much omega-3 fats, three times more vitamin D, four times more vitamin E, and seven times more beta-carotene than eggs from hens raised on traditional feed. And I mean, if you raise your own birds, you already know the difference in your eggs. My eggshells are way harder than the eggshells that you'd buy from a store. The color of the yolk is vastly different. 
as we've covered in some previous episodes. And I would say even like the weight of the egg, which I never really paid attention to until I started taking them to market. And the lady that takes them to market with me, she is always like, feel this. She makes people like hold the carton of eggs because the carton is so heavy just based on the egg weight overall. I'm sure there's some scientific study on that, but that will have to be another episode. One of my big advantages that I see is the fact that we don't have to clean out the coop as much because they're not in the coop to make a mess. They're out in the yard spreading the manure out in the grass to where it's less work, as you should know, with your barn full of manure. (laughs) (laughs) That's why I use the deep litter method, because my birds do free range in the summer. So that six months on, six months off, in theory, um, works really well. It also helps with insect control. And so I know in spring, everyone's looking for guineas because everyone's prepping for tick season. And this year seemed really bad up here. Um, And I noticed even with our dogs, we were just talking to some people about this. They were asking about the dogs and tick prevention and if we had given them medicine and all of that jazz. And really, our dogs don't get ticks on them unless they go out into the woods, unless they're out in our woods or in the real tall grass um, pasture next door where they're not supposed to be. Um, That's when they usually come back with ticks in our yard. Nope. Our flock free ranges and eats all those bad boys up. And you don't have to have just guineas to eat ticks. I think that's another misconception. Chickens and turkeys and other poultry will also eat ticks. Now, all of those bugs they're eating leads to healthier birds. Now, I'm a huge believer in this because no matter how clean you keep your coop, like this last week, it's been in the 90s and humid and the barn stinks. <laughs> There's still a smell in the coop regardless. And having your chickens breathe that in constantly or your poultry breathe that in. So getting them out of that space and into some fresh air and fresh grass is always something that I will promote. You're always healthier if you move, as the doctors are telling us all the time. People who just sit, they're not healthy. The people who get up and walk around, they're healthier. Same with your chickens. And all that running around leads to endless entertainment. So in-laws are in town. They're not from farm country. (laughs) And so they've found a lot of entertainment in the birds. In fact, they've asked, like, why do the chickens just start running and then stop and then start running again? They're like, we don't see anything out there. (laughs) I'm like, well, that's what they do. They like to run around and chase bugs. Sometimes you can't see them, but there are bugs flying around in the air. And two, if a couple start running for whatever reason, a lot of times the other birds will run too. Like they think they're going to miss out on snacks somewhere or there's a predator and they haven't heard it, but see everyone else running, they'll run. So they're just funny birds to watch. Speaking of predators. Well, I absolutely love free ranging. It does come with some potential issues. And this is the one that I struggled with a lot. And the people I talk to on the phone, yeah, everybody struggles with this. And that's predators, hawks, coons, dogs, coyotes, you name the animal. They all love chicken. And that, I mean, predators will strike whether you free range or not. Yes, that's true. But free ranging, loss is just inevitable. You can't protect your flock 24-7 free ranging. 
unless maybe in the case that you have like your livestock guardian dog out um, with your birds to constantly kind of protect them, maybe. But man, this year for me, I can't even count how many birds I've lost. Maybe six to eight birds this summer due to predators. I've had a fox. And then between falcons and hawks, they've been extremely thick this year. Just uh, this weekend, I was out. I parked my car out by the barn. I was unloading all my feed, came back inside, brought the dogs back inside, grabbed an egg basket, went back out. And here's a falcon, you know, dipping down, flying around the barn. So I was like hollering at it and banging things around to spook it away. But they're awfully brave. They'll still hover and fly around even with you out there. Then he eventually took off. Yeah, you're not that scary, Kendra. <laughs> to a <laughs> hawk. I was trying to be. I probably scared my neighbors more than the falcon. Now, if you raise birds for market for their eggs, hidden eggs is also inevitable. No matter how much I've trained my chickens, it seems like like this summer I mowed some brush and went back around for a second pass and there's some eggs just random right there. They had crawled in that tall grass and laid some eggs at some point in time and I had no idea. So yeah, especially if you have, I think, a larger flock where your nesting boxes may be crowded or you're integrating new hens and they're lower on the totem pole, your birds will go and lay eggs wherever they find is suitable for them that day. So a lot of times you're trying to find eggs or you'll come across eggs and have no idea how old they are. The other problem or issue that happens is they like to dig and create holes, especially in your flower bed, especially in your garden. That's like a magnet to them. They love those areas. You've created this beautiful landscape on the front of your house there where you have those beautiful roses and all these beautiful flowers and the chickens love to go and just make a mess. We always joke when we find a new hole in our yard and say, Hmm, wonder if this is from the dogs or the chickens. And 98% of the time it's from the chickens there. It's bad. I think this year is one of the worst years for our yard. Just anytime there's a bare spot in the yard, like we have a kind of a bunch of trees in one side of our yard. So the grass isn't super thick there. And when there's bare spots from mowing or whatever, they find that little bit of dust and then they like to dust bath there. And that hole will just continually get larger and larger and larger. And same with some fancy apple trees I planted behind our garage. All of that was fresh dirt from planting those. And they've just made themselves at home. Giant old dust bath in the turkey's dust bath there now. So the holes are even larger to fit their big bodies. I should take a little video and post it in our Facebook page so you guys can see how detrimental they can be. The roots are up and everything. And I've even filled the hole once and nope, it's back down to nothing. So it's going to be something probably later this fall we'll end up having to fence off. So that's the other thing with free ranging too, is it's always a question of should you fence the chickens in or should you fence your valuables in? Because my garden has to be fenced off because of them. And now these apple trees are going to have to be fenced off because of them. So you have to weigh your options. Is it worth free-ranging the birds or being able to access your plants and garden freely and have them look beautiful? Now, I know Jeff loves having manure everywhere. 
no. that he doesn't have to clean his coop. <laughs> but then you have manure everywhere. <laughs> yeah, you step out of the car and it's like... <sighs> it is. I mean, it's a conversation we've definitely had here. So if everyone hasn't gotten the hint yet, I'm pro free range. Everyone else here is not pro free range. I'm not. I'm not free range. No. <laughs> and they hate it because nobody can run around barefoot without stepping in poop. But you know what? You live in the country. There's a hose out there. Rinse your feet off. <laughs> Go play. Wash your hands afterwards. Just don't eat after touching poop. You know, that's a thing. But when you have older kids, it doesn't matter. Younger kids may be a little more problematic. I don't. I yes, when I step in poop in high heels or like I'm dressed up to go somewhere and step in it. Yes, that is irritating to me. But overall, it's just something I've lived with. My lawn is very fertilized and lush green around all the holes they've dug. (laughs) (laughs) So anyways, those are some potential issues with free ranging. So while there are a lot of pros, there can be a lot of cons too, depending on where you live, your setup, the amount of birds you have. There's a lot of things to weigh whether or not you want a free range or not. And it's completely fine to say, I'm going to try free ranging, have it not work out for whatever reason. And you decide that they're going to be in a run or coop full time or vice versa. You can change your mind. It's okay. Now, when it comes to free ranging breeds, it's really hard to go wrong. Honestly, in my opinion, all breeds could benefit from free ranging. Um, The only case where I'd say no is like meat breeds can be a little touchy. Um, Typically those go into chicken tractors if you can't free range. So they're still getting the benefits of free ranging as far as health and fresh air and movement, but they're not completely exposed to the entire property. Now, when you are choosing free ranging breeds, there are a few factors that we think you should consider. One of them is how large of an area you actually have. So this is something I don't think a lot of people think about. And it's something that I was just considering the other day because of how large my flock is. If you have a small backyard, for instance, free ranging five chickens is perfectly fine. If you grow your coop to 50 chickens and try free ranging, is it worth it? Like, does the space make sense? So if you're going to have a large flock, you should probably have acres for them to free range on. So just something think about as you continue to grow your flock or as you continue to experiment with breeds. Another thing is when you're looking at breeds, sometimes the terminology to describe their temperament, they'll say active, sometimes they'll say flighty. And so it can be hard to really determine what the difference is. And every hatchery will probably have its own definition. What I would take into consider if they say they're an active breed and they use other terms like docile or charming or curious or something like that, it just means they're a naturally active breed, probably best suited for free ranging. As in, you know, they're active. They like to move around and keep busy. They don't like to be bored in a coop is how I take that definition. If they're flighty, that means that they're not real docile to handle. So a lot of times the white egg layer breeds are defined as flighty breeds. They are not, it's hard to say they don't like to be handled because if you raise them from a baby and you handle them a lot, you can often change that trait in them a little bit, but they're usually just a little more skittish, jumpy. They like to fly fences, things like that. If you do live in a smaller area with a small backyard and you have neighbors around you with a fence, 
that's something that you may want to consider. While you are free ranging, they could still end up in somebody else's yard. So that's kind of how I take the two definitions. If the breed is labeled as active, they're going to be an excellent free range breed. If they're labeled as flighty, you may have some issues with them trying to leave your property. I've also had issues with some flighty breeds not liking to return to the coop at night when they should. And I've had to do some training on that. So a couple of things to consider. Now, the other thing to keep in mind is the color of your bird. White is more predator prone. And the size of the chicken also matters because if it's a small little thing, hawk can come right down and take off with it. They love those little chickens. And I've had people talk to me about the predator prone issue of the color of bird. And I still think regardless of the color, they could get nabbed. (laughs) Yes. Predators are hungry. And if there's movement on the ground, especially for aerial predators, all chickens are a target. However, I recently did just lose a white chicken to a hawk. So in that case, it got me thinking, okay, well, if there's a million chickens in your yard like mine, and there's one white dot moving around, that chicken is probably more prone than the other chickens to being hit by a hawk or aerial predator. So you may want to try to get some breeds that blend in a little bit more to help curb that issue. It still will be an issue, but it will help alleviate it a little bit probably. (laughs) Yeah. And being on the phone for as many years as I have, so I've heard it both ways from Mm -hmm. people where... Well, in my area, we can't have them this color because the hawks love them. So I think a lot of it depends on where you live. You know, that matters. It really does. And so that's another factor you should consider is your climate, where you live, and your breed hardiness. So a good example of this, I like to use the Michigan-Florida comparison all the time. If you're in Michigan, your free-ranging breeds, you do want some heavier breeds like Cochins or Brahmas. They free-range well and they're hardy. So once it starts getting colder, early spring, late fall, they can still free-range later. Whereas some of your smaller breeds or breeds with big combs like your white leghorn may not do as well free-ranging, you know, trying to extend your free-ranging season. However, if you're in Florida, you could technically free-range all year round. Maybe not hurricane season. I know that's happening right now down south. When you eliminate all the other elements, (laughs) it's warm enough for your breeds to free range. Now, the last thing to consider, and this isn't so much with chickens, um, but other poultry types like geese. If you have close neighbors or you live in an area with noise and town ordinances, you may want to consider what breeds you're picking. But the biggest thing is you got to know your laws. Every town is different, and they've been changing in the last five, eight years. And even for some of you who live in like suburban areas, we'll say, you could still fall within a township ordinance that you may not be aware of. So you feel like you're out in the country far enough to be raising some of these poultry types, but if a neighbor complains, it can all go downhill. So be sure that you're checking those before you consider free-ranging. Now, on to the big question. What breeds should I choose for free ranging? And like I said, I'm just picking a handful of breeds that I know are very common and popular amongst our customers. If you have specific questions about a breed, feel free to drop them into our Facebook 
page. I'll link it below for you. And we're going to put a post up so that you can go ahead and comment. I'll be on there answering your questions. If you have, you know, a specific poultry type you're questioning, but for chickens, one that I know everyone at Meyer Hatchery recommends, whether you're chatting us, emailing us, calling us on the phone are Orpingtons. They are one of the most friendliest breeds you can have and people adore them. They're good egg producers and they do well free ranging. Yes, totally. Especially if you're just starting out, 100% Orpington. I am boring though. <laughs> there is this brown bird. They're not like the Morans. The Morans are fancy. I mean, there's Jubilee Orpington or oh. uh, there's an Orpington for whatever your heart desires. But I am a fan of Morans. There's a lot of different breeds of Morans and egg colors you can get from them. And they're a really popular breed and they also do really well free ranging. I have almost every Moran's breed and I free range my chickens so I can be a testament to their hardiness on that. Now to help you, because we've given you some factors to consider for choosing a free ranging breed. So those are two really common free ranging types. Now, as an example of what may not free range well would be something like silkies or bantams. Their smaller size makes them really predator prone. Um, when it comes to the climate, silkies have that really particular feather type that does not repel water really well um, and does not do well in cold climates. So that's something to consider. They're not really an active breed. I mean, they're uh, they're known for being a good pet. And so they're okay to show and things like that. So they're usually kept in smaller coops or smaller cages. They're kind of a fancy breed. So a lot of times they're kept in coops separate from the main flock. They aren't Because they're not for eggs, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, not for eggs either. They are broody though. So if you're looking to hatch eggs, they're a great breed for that. Um, I will say that I do free range my silkies because you all know by now I'm a lazy chicken keeper. So if you're in my flock, you're outside. <laughs> But when they do get wet, they're very sad looking and they, yeah, you know, so they don't free range well. And I can be a testament to that too. <laughs> and then, like I said, other um, like meat bird breeds do not free range well. So Cornish cross and believe me, I've tried when it comes to ducks. I really had a hard time narrowing this down. Again, I picked popular breeds. The only duck that I don't think free range as well is the mallard because it will fly away unless you pinion them. So they will migrate seasonally and they may not return to your property. Otherwise, some favorite free ranging breeds are things like the Pekins. I know the white crested duck is super popular. That's a good pet breed too. And then the silver apple yards are another really popular breed. So your geese that do well would be your buffs, the tufted or American, or even the white Emden. Especially like in the imprinting episode we talked about, which I'll link below. If you get your waterfowl to imprint to you, they're excellent free ranging I mean, they love to follow you around the yard and interact with you. Super friendly. So again, with goslings, there really isn't a breed to go wrong. It's just taking into some of those considerations like noise, um, size, how large of an area you have to free range, things like that. Now for turkeys, heritage breeds. 
all the heritage breeds, free range, excellently. I was just boasting about my free range heritage bourbon red turkeys because they do great um, even in the colder months, turkeys do. So they'll continue to go outside even into the winter. They're some of the first to come out after the first snowfall Um, and they'll still wander around and peck whatever vegetation is left or berries and seeds, things like that. Um, They love being outside. Now, the broad-breasted turkeys, because those are a meat breed, they don't do as well free-ranging, just like the broilers. They need to be confined to an area. They're great in chicken tractors, or I should say turkey tractors, Hmm. um, because they're a little bit larger. They love being outside in the grass and the fresh air, things like that. But keeping them confined to a specific area and moving them, they'll do a lot better. So again, most breeds that you find are going to be good at free ranging. It just depends on the factors of your space, whether or not they're an active or flighty breed, the size or color, if you're looking to keep them from predators, the climate you're in, and then where you're located if you have neighbors or different noise ordinances that you need to follow. Whether you're looking to reduce your feed bill, improve your bird's quality of life, or expand your flock, consider free ranging today. And with that, we thank you for listening to The Coop. Be sure to subscribe and, if you'd be so kind, drop us a review. See you all next week.